0: chapter twenty part four of supplements to the second book from the world as will and idea volume two by arthur schopenhauer translated by r b haldane and j kemp this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine chapter twenty objectification of the will in the animal organism part four nothing is more fitted to confirm and illustrate the thesis with which we are occupied in this chapter than Bichat's justly celebrated book sur la vie et l'amour his reflections and mine reciprocally support each other for his are the physiological commentary on mine and mine are the philosophical commentary on his and one will best understand us both by reading us together this refers specially to the first half of his work entitled recherches physiologiques sur la vie he makes the foundation of his expositions the opposition of the organic to the animal life which corresponds to mine of the will to the intellect whoever looks at the sense not at the words will not allow himself to be led astray by the fact that he ascribes the will to the animal life for by will as is usual he only understands conscious volition which certainly proceeds from the brain where however as was shown above it is not yet actual willing but only deliberation upon and estimation of the motives the conclusion or product of which at last appears as the act of will all that i ascribe to the will proper he ascribes to the organic life and all that i conceive as intellect is with him the animal life the latter has with him its seat in the brain alone together with its appendages the former again in the whole of the remainder of the organism the complete opposition in which he shows that the two stand to each other corresponds to that which with me exists between the will and the intellect as anatomist and physiologist he starts from the objective that is, from the consciousness of other things i as a philosopher start from the subjective self-consciousness and it is a pleasure to see how like the two voices in a duet we advance in harmony with each other although each expresses something different therefore let every one who wishes to understand me read him and let every one who wishes to understand him better than he understood himself read me Bichat shows us in article four that the organic life begins earlier and ends later than the animal life consequently since the latter also rests in sleep has nearly twice as long a duration then in articles eight and nine that the organic life performs everything perfectly at once and of its own accord the animal life on the other hand requires long practice and education but he is most interesting in the sixth article where he shows that the animal life is completely limited to the intellectual operations therefore goes on coldly and indifferently while the emotions and passions have their seat in the organic life although the occasions of them lie in the animal that is the cerebral life here he has ten valuable pages which i wish i could quote entire on page 50, he says, il est sans doute étonnant que les patients n'ont rien jamais leur terme ni leur origine dans le divers organes de la vie animale qu'au contraire les parties servant aux fonctions internes soyant constamment affectées par elles et même les déterminants suivant l'état Où elle se trouvant tel est cependant ce que la stricte observation nous prouve je dis d'abord que l'effet de toute espèce de passion constamment étranger à la vie animale et de faire naître un changement une alteration quelconque dans la vie organique then he shows in detail how anger acts on the circulation of the blood and the beating of the heart then how joy acts and lastly how fear next how the lungs the stomach the intestines the liver glands and pancreas are affected by these and kindred emotions and how grief diminishes the nutrition and then how the animal that is the brain life is untouched by all this and quietly goes on its way he it refers to the fact that to signify intellectual operations we put the hand to the head but on the contrary we lay it on the heart the stomach the bowels if we wish to express our love joy sorrow or hatred and he remarks that he must be a bad actor who when he spoke of his grief would touch his head and when he spoke of his mental effort would touch his heart and also that while the learned make the so-called soul reside in the head the common people always indicate the well-felt difference between the affections of the intellect and the will by the right expression and speak for example of a capable clever fine head but on the other hand say a good heart a feeling heart and also anger boils in my veins stirs my gall my bowels leap with joy jealousy poisons my blood c les chants sont le langage de passion de la vie organique comme la parole ordinaire et celui de l'entendement de la vie animale la déclamation tient le milieu et l'animé la langue froide du cerveau par la langue expressive des organes intérieurs du cœur, du foie de l'estomac etc his conclusion is la vie organique est la terme ou aboutissant et le centre du partant le passion nothing is better fitted than this excellent and thorough book to confirm and bring out clearly that the body is only the embodied that is perceived by means of the brain functions time space and causality will itself from which it follows that the will is the primary and original the intellect as mere brain function the subordinate and derived but that which is most worthy of admiration and to me most pleasing in bichat's thought is that this great anatomist on the path of his purely physiological investigations actually got so far as to explain the unalterable nature of the moral character from the fact that only the animal life thus the functions of the brain are subject to the influence of education practice culture and habit but the moral character belongs to the organic life that is, to all the other parts which cannot be modified from without i cannot refrain from giving the passage it occurs in article 9 section 2 telle est la grande difference de du vie de l'animal cerebral or animal and organic life par rapport l'inégalité de perfection de divers systèmes de fonctions dont chacune résulte savoir que dans l'une la prédominance ou l'infériorité d'un système relativement au autre tient presque toujours à l'activité ou à l'onertie plus grande de ce système. À l'habitude d'agir ou de ne pas agir que dans l'autre, au contraire, cette prédominance ou cette infériorité sont médiatement liées à la texture des, des organes et jamais à leur éducation. Voilà pourquoi le tempérament physique et le caractère moral ne sont point susceptible de changer par l'éducation qui modifie ce prodigieusement le acte de la vie animale car comme nous l'avons vu tous deux appartenant à la vie organique la caractère est si je puis m'exprimer ainsi la physionomie des passions, le tempérament et celle de fonctions internes or les unes et les autres étant toujours les mêmes ayant une direction que l'habitude et l'exercice ne dérangeant jamais il est manifeste que le temperament et le caractère doivent être aussi soustraits à l'ampère de l'éducation, elle peut modérer l'influence du second perfectionner assez le jugement et la réflexion pour rendre le empire supérieur aussi fortifier la vie animale afin qu'elle résiste aux impulsions de l'organique mais vouloir par elle de le caractère adoucir ou exalter le passion dont il est l'expression habituelle agrandir ou resserrer leur sphère c'est une entreprise analogue à celle d'une médecine qui essaierait d'élever ou d'abasser de quelques degré et pour toute la vie la force de contraction ordinaire au cœur dans l'état de santé de précipiter ou de ralentir habituellement le mouvement naturel au artère et qui est nécessaire à leur action etc nous observerions à ces médecins que la circulation la respiration etc ne sont point sous le domaine de la volonté volition, qu'elles ne peuvent être modifiées par l'homme sans passer à l'état maladif etc la même observation à ceux qui croyant qu'on change le caractère et par là même les passions puisque celles-ci sont un produit de l'action de tout l'organe inter auquel y ont au moins passionnément le siège the reader who is familiar with my philosophy may imagine how great was my joy when i discovered as it were the proof of my own convictions in those which were arrived at upon an entirely different field by this extraordinary man so early taken from the world a special authentication of the truth that the organism is merely the visibility of the will is also afforded us by the fact that if dogs cats domestic cocks and indeed other animals bite when violently angry the wounds become mortal nay if they come from a dog may cause hydrophobia in the man who is bitten without the dog being mad or afterwards becoming so for the extremest anger is only the most decided and vehement will to annihilate its object this now appears in the assumption by the saliva of an injurious and to a certain extent magically acting power and springs from the fact that the will and the organism are in truth one. this also appears from the fact that intense vexation may rapidly impart to the mother's milk such a pernicious quality that the sucking child dies forthwith in convulsions most ubersympathetische mittel page sixteen note on what has been said about bichat. bichat has as we have shown above cast a deep glance into human nature and in consequence has given an exceedingly admirable exposition which is one of the most profound works in the whole of french literature now sixty years later m florent suddenly appears with a polemic against it in his work de la vie et de l'intelligence and makes so bold as to declare without ceremony that all that bichat has brought to light on this important subject which was quite his own is false and what does he oppose to him in the field counter-reasons no counter-assertions and authorities indeed which are as inadmissible as they are remarkable descartes and Gaul m florent is by conviction a cartesian and to him descartes in the year eighteen fifty eight is still le philosophe par excellence now descartes was certainly a great man yet only as a forerunner in the whole of his dogmas on the other hand there is not a word of truth and to appeal to these as authorities at this time of day is simply absurd for in the nineteenth century a cartesian in philosophy is just what a follower of ptolemy would be in astronomy or follower of stahl in chemistry but for m florent the dogmas of descartes are articles of faith descartes has taught les volants sont de penser. therefore this is the case although everyone feels within himself that willing and thinking are as different as white and black hence i have been able above in chapter nineteen to prove and explain this fully and thoroughly and always under the guidance of experience but above all according to descartes the oracle of m florent there are two fundamentally different substances body and soul consequently m florent as an orthodox cartesian says le premier point est de separer même par le mot ce qui est du corps de ce qui est de l'âme One seventy-two informs us further that this âme reside uniquement et exclusivement dans le cerveau to from whence, according to a passage of Descartes, it sends the spiritus animales as couriers to the muscles, it can only itself be affected by the brain. Therefore, the passions have their seat, siege, in the heart, which is altered by them, yet their place, place, in the brain. Thus, really thus, speaks the oracle of Monsieur Florent, who is so much edified by it that he even utters it twice after him, one thirty three and two one thirty five, for the unfailing conquest of the ignorant bichat who knows neither soul nor body but merely an animal and an organic life and whom he then here condescendingly informs that we must thoroughly distinguish the parts where the passions have their seat siègeant, from those which they affect according to this then the passions act in one place while they are in another corporeal things are wont to act only where they are but with an immaterial soul the case may be different but what in general may he and his oracle really have thought in this distinction of place and siège siégé and affecté the fundamental error of m florent and descartes springs really from the fact that they confound the motives or occasions of the passions which as ideas certainly lie in the intellect that is, in the brain with the passions themselves which as movements of the will lie in the whole body which as we know is the perceived will itself m florent's second authority is as we have said gall i certainly have said at the beginning of this twentieth chapter and already in the earlier edition the greater error in gall's phrenology is that he makes the brain the organ of moral qualities also but what i censure and reject is precisely what m florent praises and admires for he bears in his heart the doctrine of descartes les volontés sont des pensées Accordingly, he says, page one forty four, Le premier service. Que a rendu à la physiologie à être de ramener, de ramener le moral à intellectuel et de faire voir que les facultés morales et les facultés intellectuelles sont du même ordre et de le placer tout autant le un que les autres uniquement et exclusivement dans le cerveau to a certain extent my whole philosophy but especially the nineteenth chapter of this volume consists of the refutation of this fundamental error m florent on the contrary is never tired of extolling this as a great truth and gaul as its discoverer for example page one forty seven si j'en a classer le service que nous a rendu gaul je dirais que le premier a été de ramener le qualité morale au cerveau Page one fifty three, le cerveau soule le gang de l'ame et de l'ame dans toute la plénitude de ses fonctions. We see the simple soul of Descartes still always lurks in the background as the kernel of the matter. Il est le siège de toutes les facultés intellectuelles, a ramener le moral à l'intellectuel. Il a ramené le qualité moral au même siège, au même organe que le faculté intellectuelle. Oh how must bichat and I be ashamed of ourselves in the presence of such wisdom but to speak seriously what can be more disheartening or rather more shocking than to see the true and profound rejected and the false and perverse extolled to live to find that important truths deeply hidden and extracted late and with difficulty are to be torn down and the old stale and late conquered errors set up in their place nay to be compelled to fear that through such procedure the advances of human knowledge so hardly achieved will be broken off but let us quiet our fears for magma es vis veritatis et privalebit. m florent is unquestionably a man of much merit but he has chiefly acquired it upon the experimental path just those truths however which are of the greatest importance cannot be brought out by experiments but only by reflection and penetration now bichat by his reflection and penetration has here brought a truth to light which is of the number of those which are unattainable by the experimental efforts of m florent even if as a true and consistent cartesian he tortures a hundred more animals to death but he ought betimes to have observed and thought something of this take care friend for it burns the presumption and self-sufficiency however such as is only imparted by superficiality combined with a false obscurity with which m florent undertakes to refute a thinker like bichat by counter-assertions old wise beliefs and feudal authorities indeed to reprove and instruct him and even almost to mock at him has its origin in the nature of the academy and its foltoyes throned upon these and saluting each other mutually as illustres confrères gentlemen cannot avoid making themselves equal with the best who have ever lived regarding themselves as oracles and therefore fit to decree what shall be false and what true this impels and entitles me to say out plainly for once that the really superior and privileged minds who now and then are born for the enlightenment of the rest and to whom certainly bichat belongs are so by the grace of god and accordingly stand to the academy in which they have generally occupied only the forty-first fauteuil and to its illustre confrères as born princes to the numerous representatives of the people chosen from the crowd therefore a secret awe should warn these gentlemen of the academy who always exist by the score before they attack such a man Unless they have most cogent reasons to present, and not mere contradictions and appeals to Placita of Descartes, which at the present day is quite absurd. End of Chapter Twenty. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. End of the World as Will and Idea, Volume Two by Arthur Schopenhauer, translated by R. B. Haldane and J. Kemp.